Hi everyone, my name is Dr. Deb Roberts and I am the host for season two of the Mind Medicine Australia's podcast. Before we begin with this week's guest, a reminder that Mind Medicine Australia's focus is on the development and the use of evidence-based psychedelic-assisted therapies within regulated healthcare systems. We do not, though, encourage the use of psychedelic medicines outside of this context, and we do not support the use of these substances in any way that is unlawful. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only. None of the content herein constitutes medical advice. Guests' views are their own and do not represent the views of Mind Medicine Australia, and individuals need to discuss their individual healthcare needs with their healthcare providers. Thank you for listening. So, hi, Graham. Hello, Annette. Thank you for coming on. How are you? Um, uh, well, it's I have been able to have a short conversation with you before we've come on, um, but I would like to just take about a, uh, 30 seconds or so um, just for uh, the, I guess, the potential of the and the richness of what might um, transpire in this time together. Um, but sometimes, and it's more for me often as well, is just to kind of ground, I'm uncrossing my legs. If anyone listening to this as well would like to, as long as you're not running again, or um, doing something where you um, need to be more alert, maybe both uh, feet on the ground if it's possible. Uh, and even just if you're seated, just kind of coming into the kind of foundation and the, um, the steadiness of the seat um, or the ground beneath us. Um, my eyes tend to close. You do not need to necessarily, but sometimes also the inner landscape, um, you often get a little bit more of what's going on. So sometimes even the shaking of the hands, I do that. And, a, you know, a, a big either sigh out um, or a more subtle, if you're feeling more grounded and um, just connected to so just honor that as well. And just taking Perhaps the next uh, maybe three breath cycles. I often like to start with the exhale. Shows us then what space there is to come in. And maybe just another cleansing, one or two more cycles of breath, which is really the way we um, are able to be living in this world. And just as you're ready, and when you feel ready, the um, eyes can flutter open. And sometimes there's just a little bit of a um, uh, a settling. So I guess in that intention, um, I uh, welcome you here to uh, the Mind Medicine uh, Australia podcast se series two. We're really trying to connect with lived experience. And both of you, um, people can, um, will be able to look in the show notes, but um, you have both a um, significant uh, experience in both your healing journeys and your relationship um, with psychedelic um, assisted therapy, but the same time other modalities as well. So this is not limited to um, one magic, you know, pill, etc. And I think we'll get into that. But I perhaps um, per starting with you, Graham, um, as part of the lived experience panel that you are on with Mind Medicine Australia, and then Annette, we will. Um, 
uh, come to you as well. Um, yeah. It's just a little bit of um, background um, about yourself. And I keep this broad because the relationship you might have um, that has led you to work uh, in terms of your exposure with Mind Medicine Australia, um, you've had a lot of lived experience. So I wonder if just you introducing yourself in your background, a little bit about um, then the healing journey will, um, you know, will will unfold, but maybe just a couple minutes um, speaking about your own background and what even just feels right to uh, communicate at this moment with the audience. Okay, thank you, Deborah, for the opportunity too. Um, I've, obviously, this is my passionate subject, so I like talking about it. Um, I started, uh, I've, I've got significant childhood trauma, both physical and uh, sexual, um, significant, and uh, started life, um, I grew up on a farm and was a farmer, married, three kids, divorced, um, business liquidation, bankruptcy after the GFC, um, and my partner and I, Annette, we've been running our own business for 22 years, I think, and we work as, as therapists. But I hit my I, – I put a lid over the top of my trauma and totally ignored it. And the harder I ran, the more it came to the surface until it got to the point where it cost me a marriage, business, you know, the whole lot. And in that process, I tried a lot of different things, um, both as a as a client, but also too as 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 a therapist. I've studied psychology, psychotherapy, uh, breath breathwork practitioner, the whole lot, and none of it could dent my my trauma. And Annette uh, had already started doing psychedelics uh, with a sessions with with a therapist, and she um dragged me kicking and screaming. I got to a point where I'd, I'd given up and I just couldn't do it anymore it was just grinding me down so much and I went with her to uh, a session where we started doing sessions together and mm -hmm. from that point on began my um quite significant journey with psychedelics and it really did work in ways that I find really difficult to put into words. Um, all I can say is that it's it's an amazing process. But the most important thing is that the, particularly MDMA, it opens the door. Mm -hmm. I've actually got to choose to walk through that door. And I was at a point where I'd tried everything and nothing could work. Psychedelics did, but I still had to walk through that door. And that was pretty challenging because uh, the first few sessions that I did, all I did was just tremor just lie down and for six or seven hours I'd just shake quite violently sometimes and I'd go home and I'd shake some more I'd wake up the next day and I'd shake for another two or three hours and I had no idea what that was all about or what that actually meant I just trusted the process some days when I'd go for a session um, I'd be tremoring before I'd even taken the medicine. I'd just say, you know, in the introduction, I'd just say to the therapist, I need to lie down. I'm, I'm you know, tremoring already. What it was was my body was just bleeding off the extreme trauma. It was complex PTSD, extreme trauma that I was actually carrying that I was it was just beyond my mind to, to interpret it. And the uh, psychedelics, particularly MDMA, opened up the the portal, I suppose, for my body to release all this body-held trauma, extreme trauma. 
Um, and in the scheme of things, it's ex it was extreme. And I had no idea and no story. And after a while, adding psilocybin into the, the process, I did a session just with psilocybin to understand, feel what it's like. Then I could actually sort of expand and develop the story around what the trauma was about. And I already knew pieces that, um, you know, I'd grown up with and known, but I didn't understand what those pieces meant. And one of them was I had the same two two variations of the same nightmare for 60 years and I couldn't interpret it. And under psilocybin, I got to it in about the fifth or sixth session, I think, and saw a picture of what that, that, that trauma was. And it was a nightmare that I'd had for 60 years and the, the psychedelics opened it up. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, wow. And that was the end of that, that nightmare. And, you know, there's been quite a few experiences for me like that from the physical trauma, both physical and sexual, that as an adult, 65, 66 years later, sort of, oh, wow. And the more I've relaxed and dropped into it, I think I'm, I'm finished with the psychedelics. I don't need them anymore. Um, well, time will tell, but that's how it feels for me, um, that it's opened up the door, it's opened up the pathway for me to actually use traditional methods to go down and integrate what's going on. Integration has been such a, a godsend for me. Um, expensive. We've spent a fortune on therapists. Uh, I've spent a fortune on therapists. And uh, but it's it's just so worth it. It's not just the medicine on its own, it's the whole overall package of the medicine, the integration before the discussion, the session. Um, the medicine session and an integration afterwards, a medicine session might take months to, to integrate with other therapies and practices and uh, modalities that, you know, I use to, to look after myself. Like I'm a runner. Um, I like pot plants, mechanics, um, but grandkids, uh, you know, things like that, that in the past, my trauma would prohibit me from actually doing. An example was bathing a grandchild a few years ago normally you know i would never go there this time i thought right i'm going to go there and the trauma and the intensity was so bad that i was nearly outside i had to go outside for a few minutes um outside vomiting just from pure fear of my past yes uh, which in the past never with my own kids never made sense so i shut it down but now with the use of the psychedelics um uh, i was able to unravel unlock and let go of all the um rubbish that I was the toxic black heavy ooze that I was carrying um you know underneath the complex PTSD you know label and uh yeah look I can't speak highly enough of it well that I mean it's incredible to um have someone articulating um something that is so it is beyond words you mentioned that in terms of the therapy but also just of the the impact of trauma in general um and whether or not it's serious you know serious i don't know how i think that qualifier of serious trauma is trauma um, um but everyone um everyone has some somewhere along the spectrum of um significant life experiences and events that um have impacted us and when you um in a moment annette i'll invite you to um connect um, about your background. Um, and yet when you just talked about um, 
being able to the bath. I mean, in a way that's a full circle a bath, sorry, with a, with a child and having that physical response again, you had the tremors, but then you literally went outside and, you know, it's like this regard, you know, like to letting go of this, um, of some of the toxicity and the, um, the, I guess, reconnection. Um, I wonder that notion of connection itself when you are not feeling, um, well, and obviously with, um, uh, experience as, um, the trauma complex as it, um, was for you, um, the feeling of disconnection. So we don't feel connected to anything. We, you know, you want to shut off any connection and, you know, where you said you put the lid on it as, and, mm anyone listening because most people will listen to this rather than looking at us but you know Graham's putting the you know the hand you know down um you know um almost that repressing it and putting it you know down because we can't necessarily cope with it and mm -hmm. that reconnection is I guess something that is just I want to hold that um connection itself but a reconnection um as we go forward with this and the other thing that you just mentioned which is uncanny is you were talking about the black uh, you said black ooze toxic ooze yeah black ooze. and mm. um i don't know if i had shared with you before I, I unless you've read it but my um my sister ended her life in november um sadly my older sister and um i had done some work with um you know because i you know teach yoga and meditation and so i'm in the space of um exploring these areas. And um, one of the amazing uh, experiences I had prior to her take um, ending her life was me in a meditative space, being able to take, weirdly, it sounds odd, um, some of her tar, we, I call it black oozing tar that was from her. And I was able, because she couldn't, to yes. let some of that out and it sounds maybe very airy fairy to no, sounds on after you know i was led by someone in a very safe space i was able and it was literally the, the way you just described it and you know and yet that didn't save her life you know and i'm not um uh i don't say that in a trivial way but i just am of even some of those things that um there is commonality um and how we can try to continually to you know kind of let go of some mm -hmm. of our trauma however complex or minimized that would be so annette i wonder if you might like to just as um an introduction um and graham will gonna I, I want to there's so much of what you just said but i imagine you might like to um I'd love to jump in. <laughs> so um my story is I also grew up in the country, not very far away from Graham, surprisingly, although we didn't meet until we're in our early 40s. Um and at a personal development workshop. So that's right. Yes. So we um I 23 years was ago. a shy child and I was always very anxious and it took a lot for me to to become to be normal. I felt like I was always looking at everybody else for how to be and I was uh, looking back now I think I was depressed a lot of my early adult life as well and just um nothing you know in those days you probably didn't go to therapy and so I just kind of existed and and thought it was all about my shyness and I became a nurse because then I could 
ask people how they were and I didn't have to kind of show up and I married an older man and I thought he would look after me so it was kind of like I lived my life from this kind of childlike place and um I entered that relationship was the hardest thing I ever did because I didn't really feel like I had a good reason except I felt like I had to and for my own sanity and but not really understanding why and then I met Graham my intention was to meet a man who had children and who would really listen to me but the challenging thing about that was I found out that I actually had to have something to say for him to listen to so it was kind of like this part of me and I didn't have children of my own directly as a result of my trauma and um so and we were together Graham and I've been together for over 20 years and um when I first met him I had been led in in my work as a nurse, I started working with a holistic GP and he led me into doing emotional intelligence training So and a lot of breath work. So that was, I spent a couple of years doing a lot of intense breath work and really starting to connect with that emotional deeper part of me and really open that part of me up. And then I heard about Tantra, which is another kind of body work. And um, I thought when I meet a man, I'm going to go and do some Tantra. So met Graham and said, come along and do this workshop with me. Went up to Byron Bay and did all this weird stuff, but just absolutely loved it. And I think it was because it was all about connection. And so much of my life, I'd felt disconnected from everything and not, and largely from myself, although I didn't really realize that then I just thought I was disconnected from real life. And then so I spent a number of years doing lots of that kind of body work and so I spent a long time in that space and Graham and I have had some ex- amazing experiences and we have a fabulous relationship but there was part in part of me in my relationship with him that just wasn't we would just get breakthroughs and breakthroughs but then it'd be back and it would be back and it would be back it's like what is this and I remember one day he said to me it feels like you're frozen and it's like he never said that before and it just I could feel it when he said it I could actually feel it and so as a result of that I started exploring and I went to see a kinesiologist and he basically pointed me to my trauma just like that and it's like and I had no idea that my early years you know I was my um, I was abused by a close family member for many years and I had totally repressed it and so had everyone else in my family. And so my challenge was then what do I do with this information that I have? You know, do I actually believe it? Is it just a story? Is it real? And what I what I then found was the psychedelics helped me to start to make it real and and still it was then a choice of do I actually believe this or not because you could say psychedelics are still just all in my head you know like how how real is that some people who aren't you know in this part of life would say it's total uh, fabrication but then I could really start the psychedelics what they helped me do is to really feel that intrinsic memory and when I felt that body memory it just like this has got to be real, you know, this has got to be real. And the other thing that it really helped me to do was once the more I believed it was real, the more sane I felt and the more I believed it wasn't real, the more insane I felt. And it was literally like a choice between going insane Mm. and, and 
becoming more sane, but in a very challenging way. And I think it's, um, I was in um, early menopause or no, middle menopause. And I think that's a time often when for women, these early experiences get triggered with all the changes in the hormones that happen at that time of life. It can start to open the the portal to those things. So, and since then, um, I've just been so grateful to psychedelics for the journey because I it almost like um, enjoyed the healing of my sexual trauma because it felt so good. There were so many like beautiful, I felt like especially with the MDMA, I just felt so happy and loved and safe and just had never had those experiences, not to that depth anyway. And then there would be moments of healing, you know, that the deeper stuff would come up and it's like, okay, yeah, I know I can do that, but then I can come back and it'll be feeling good again. And then I can go into the challenging bits and then it could feel good again. So um, I he I've healed. So in about three years, I healed 13, well, a life, you know, 60 years of trauma really in, and I also had some um, psycho. I saw a psychologist, and I saw a few people as as integration support as well. So you know, I very much am part of the um, the belief that you you can't just take the medicine. You've got to do the the emotional work in between the sessions, and you've got to have the support that you need to do that. So, but yeah, absolutely profound. I just am so, and I mean, for me, I had never gone anywhere near drugs in my life before that. Being a nurse, I was like, you know, you just don't do that sort of thing. I was very um, game, and I had I had a marijuana milkshake when I was in India. You know, once like, and that was about as much of um illicit kind of drugs as I'd ever experienced. So for me to step into this world was kind of a really big. Um, it was very out of the ordinary to me, but it just showed that it was really so important that I could do that. Mm. I, in listening to both of you, um, it is, I'm reflecting back of how many years, you know, almost 50 years, mm. you know, of living with, yes. and living with what um, you'd experienced. And obviously there's a lot of people who have lifetimes, I mean, you know, a long, long history of trying so many different things. Um, you both, um, you both kind of touched on trying many different avenues. And um, Graham, you said that whole of not even putting a dent, um, which is what I have, um, you know, not being able to really penetrate of what needed what that deeper um, experience uh, needed to come out and deal with. One of the things, though, that we talk about we said this before we started today's um, session anyway, of it not, you know, that it's not a panacea. Um, and, you know, Graham, when you first said about the tremor, you know, as an example, um, one of the things, you know, that my medicine Australia is trying to also do is not um, portray this, their, the therapy, including the integration as that it, that it's, you know, necessarily easy mm -hmm. um, and that everything's going to be kind of um easy going and you know that isn't the case it isn't that you take a um take the medicines and then you, everything in life is forevermore no absolutely mm. not i wonder what you what your thoughts are around that in terms of either also the adverse events um 
uh, Graham, you mentioned again in that tr uh, tremoring, you know, that from an ex it, from an experience, from your experience, you would you say that that was an adverse event or that was the actual needing to the body's um, ability yeah. to, yeah. to begin to unload? Absolutely. I just wanted to clarify for both of you what kind of adverse yeah. events or what you would interpret as um adverse event if you I think probably the, the the most adverse event for me was what's called a bad trip in the early days of the psychedelics um i tried cannabis with um cbd use the drops because i can't smoke i hate it um so i used the drops and um i took five drops and couldn't feel anything so a week later i took 10 felt a little bit then i felt a week later i took 15, you know, a little bit better. So I was getting a bit sick of this. So then I took 30. And uh, <laughs> oh my God. I had a net yelling. I mean, I'm sitting looking at her and I just sort of <laughs> went over like that on the couch. And um, I sat I sat up and I was lying down on the floor in a fetal position and I was absolutely out of my mind. I was on the verge of telling Annette to call the ambulance. And what it was was a really, really bad trip. It frightened the absolute heck out of me. And this is in the early days. Before uh, This is before you had tried the psychedelics. I tried the psychedelics, but I was, I was also blocked. I'd, I'd hit the wall again. I was feeling blocked. And this bad trip, what it, what it showed to me that, and I felt like I was either going to go mad or stand up in it. And I chose then to stand up in it. And that was the important thing for me to actually recognise that I'm in control of this that it's not relying on the drug and that marijuana experience. And I've used a little bit since, but I found that my attitude towards the psychedelic is what makes the difference that I'm choosing to go into that space to unlock a door that I don't normally have access to. And the unlocking of the door is really important because then I've got to choose to actually walk through that door and with MDMA, that's that's really, really important difference is that the MDMA will open that door, but I've got to choose to walk through that. And what I see in that door doesn't make a lot of sense. So having somebody there who's experienced sitting with me and supporting me to not, they're not interpreting, but they're actually supporting me to see my version of what's in that. And I found that to be a real eye-opener in the early days of the psychedelics in about how important it is for me in ownership of my, my journey. It's like I'm not being dragged along. I'm actually in the driver's seat and choosing to go down this pathway. And whatever comes up is important. I mightn't understand it, but that's what I've got to, that's what I've got to do. And I learned that there. And I've had quite a few really bad experiences. Probably the first experience I had prior to psychedelics was there was part of my psyche that was really black and really locked down. And one day I was driving, I used to be a farmer in a previous life and I was driving out in the paddock because there was a fox that I wanted to dispatch. And I went out there and had the gun with me and then drive, didn't get him. And driving back, all of a sudden, this real black ooze hit me. And I was there and I had the gun and I was ready to pull the trigger to end my life. And just, I took a deep breath and I just as I was about to do it, the dog jumped through the window because the dog was cranked off because I'd left it behind and it jumped and broke, totally snapped, snapped me out of it. I ended up outside on the ground, I vomited and then I blacked out. 
And I don't know how long for, but I came to and I'm lying sort of on my back on the ground and the dog's sort of got its head on my chest waiting for me to sort of wake up to myself. And what I realised later, and it took me 20 years to get to the point of what actually happened, was that that black ooze that was inside me, I couldn't keep the lid on it. But when it came up, I was not prepared or equipped to actually deal with it. And that was the only way I knew how. And what I've realised at the end of my psychedelic journey was that that was that black toxic ooze that I was carrying in me. And with the aid of psychedelics, I was able to go into it and bleed off the trauma, bleed off with the tremoring to get it down to a point where I could actually go in and really start to, to integrate what had happened to me as, as a small child that I wasn't able to integrate back then. And um, the psychedelics are absolutely brilliant for doing that. And the mix of MDMA and using psilocybin and the, the variations are too. A little bit of um, CBT, CBD oil with, with THC in it. And also towards the end, um, what I found was really validating was the use of LSD. I actually met God, which... Was... And it wasn't Graham. <laughs> that was really good for me to know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember you were sitting in the lounge room and I, I walked in and just said, I just met God, oh, my God. And what that did was that self-belief that I was carrying that toxic ooze was that that experience gave me like meeting the light at the end of the tunnel and actually seeing it and believing in it and that it's real, that my life is not um, controlled anymore by that toxic ooze that I can actually choose to do something different. But I had to get rid of all of that, and I mean dozens of hours. I wouldn't say hundreds of hours, but certainly definitely towards the, the top end of 100 and something hours um, of tremoring just to get rid of all of that yep. um, trauma that I never even knew. Um, we've talked about the, um, you know, Bessel van der Kolk, mm. the, the body keeps the score, which is such mm. a... Um, yeah, I just like saying I say it almost every time every time I can, you know, just the actual title of that book mm -hmm. actually in a way what you just mm. oh. relayed, Graham. Is what about you? Absolutely. It is, absolutely. And I did a lot of tremoring as well. And for me, the tremoring just felt like freedom. You know, it wasn't you said an adverse event to me. It was not an adverse event to me. It was like it was a pathway. And with my with my nursing background, part of me was saying, "You look like you could. You're really having an epileptic fit here. Maybe you should call a doctor." But but my my higher self kind of knew felt the freedom and just like and just knew that my body intelligence was telling me that it was just releasing. There was nothing wrong here, you know, just, just enjoy it, celebrate it and let it be, and let it, and be with that kind of celebration until the next piece of the, you know, the intrinsic memory comes up. And I found it was really interesting because I had a number of sessions and I found um, each time the medicine would take me a bit deeper and a bit deeper and a bit deeper. And it's like, I would think, oh, this kind of must be the bottom because it can't be anything more bizarre than, than that. But then the next time was kind of like, oh my God, you know, there's, there's a bit, a bit more, but it just, and I recognize all I needed to do is just to see it and, and acknowledge it and then just let it go. I didn't need to kind of, um, 
um, I didn't need to wallow in it or I didn't need to, I mean, I got angry. I ex was able to express my anger and my hurt and all the feelings around it. But apart from that, I didn't need to kind of take it on. Um, and, was that part yeah. of the integration, Annette? I just wonder if it, I mean, you can both speak to this, mm. um, but the, you know, having the, integration from a you know a, a psychedelic assisted therapy obviously there's specific um protocol around that and we don't necessarily have to get into that unless you'd like to um but i i guess the integration aspect and thinking of i'm just thinking graham again you just said the hundred hours of you know in terms of the um tremoring and annette you said which is un, in, really intriguing to me also of that there wasn't a um like in in some way there was an enjoyment because you're it's kind of like I, I did the beginning you know that beginning of a surge of energy which is so yeah. exactly um, and you're actually your your um intellectual mind is turned off and your yeah, your kind of primal brain that can really just be in the moment and and trust the body mm -hmm. just kind of takes over and you can just let it happen and you know later on the mind will go what the fuck was that you know but at the time it's really just uh, yes, you yeah. oh, <laughs> we're talking about psychedelics i imagine we could get away <laughs> with that so <laughs> yeah. um, so and i think for me it's such a like really out there experience the psychedelics <laughs> like it's as out there as you can imagine going and that's where the the integration session with my psychologist and it was interesting having been in the woo-woo world of tantra and all those kinds of things for a long time when this came up this realization came up I felt like I needed to go and see a psych psychologist because I felt like I needed the structure because everything else was so ah, I felt like I needed the structure of that support and yeah. um, the more of the medicine that I did and she didn't know um she'd heard about it but she hadn't kind of gone much into it but the longer I um, went to see her the more she was starting to learn not because of me but because it was starting to show up everywhere and um and just being able to talk about it and um, kind of bring the intellectual mind into line with what the rest of my my body and my soul and my psyche already knew. And there was a little bit of kind of um, integration work around some of the stuff that had come up, but a lot of it was just really being able to talk it. And as I was talking it, it's, it would start to just kind of drop in and drop in and, and land um, because I think... For me, it was just so what came up in in the under the medicine was just like so out there. I think if I hadn't been able to talk it through with someone, I'm it might have just been like, what do I do with this? You know, um, and one of the other things that I, I often see with people who are in the personal development world, they spend this, I can I have seen people just do workshop after workshop after workshop and I can see that then if they're not doing anything between, all they're doing is the workshop and that's not the life, you know, that's not the life. So it's like, it's really important. And that's why I'm so grateful to the emotional intelligence work and the breath work that I did for years beforehand because it allowed me um the skills to actually help integrate, you know, the bigness of the of the medicine experience. And because 
for me, the medicine experience was very much like doing a breathwork session. It was just deeper and longer, but the, or some of the tantric practices, it was very similar. Yeah, just deeper and longer. And also the language mm-hmm. when you're supporting somebody's in this place too, that, um, you know, our breathwork background and the tantric background is that is very, very rare if something will come up that is actually, oh, I don't know what to do here. It's sort of, okay, so what's happening? And I found that really, um, really useful and really helpful. And <laughs> there's definitely been some very out there experiences that I've had and that's had in between the, the medicine sessions in the integration um, integration process. And uh, I know that um, my, my trauma happened in the family and my daughter, when a daughter got married, she had mum's engagement ring on, which I didn't know. And because of COVID, we couldn't get down there. So we did, we got all dressed up and had their wedding presents sitting behind us. And we did a Zoom. <laughs> we with did them. a Zoom attendance. And uh, she sort of showed showed us the, you know, the, the ring and she had mum's um, engagement ring on. And that absolutely rocked the heck out of me. Um, I was nauseous, you know, I walked outside for some fresh air and then I came back in and I just said, I don't know what happened um, and talked to my therapist about it the next next day. And eventually in, in about when COVID finished, we went down there and I did a lot of work around this, uh, probably a couple of psychedelic sessions and also a lot of um, sessions with a psychotherapist. I think I probably ended up doing 40 with him. And that was really helpful for this. About halfway through that, COVID lifted, so we went down there. And um, what I did was ask Bronwyn to put that ring on and bring it out. And I took a photo of her hand with the ring on and mine, my hand holding it, and took a photo of that and sent it to my therapist saying, thank you so much. It really worked that I was able to actually let that go. Now, I had no idea about any of that. And it was through psychedelics and therapeutic integration on top of what, you know, Annette and I do, because we both work in this field, um, helped me to really unlock and actually let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a, and in a real way. And we left uh, where we lived and we moved to the other side of the country. And we did that. We lived up there for 12 or 13 years because of our backgrounds. We couldn't stay here. And one of the most out there experiences that I had was that um, six months ago, five, four months ago, we made a decision to move back down to Victoria. And that's where we are now. And part of my process, I didn't understand what was happening until we'd made the decision. And once we'd made the decision, I got hit. Now, this might be too much information, but I got hit with absolutely jet black diarrhea. We talked about that black ooze and whatever. Annette as a nurse panicked. She thought it was blood and everything like that went to the doctor. I didn't panic. I just thought, wow, is that really psychological stuff coming out? It's like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Because my my GP and chemist, they know what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and everything. So I told the GP, first thing she did, right, we're going to get this test, that test, this test, this test. That kept me going for two or three days, getting all these tests done. (laughs) And that... Diarrhea lasted for about five days and the test showed absolutely nothing wrong. And, you know, and when I talk about that black ooze, that decision to go back down there cleaned out a lot of stuff that I had done work around, but I was actually still carrying. 
And for me, my focus has been that the, the, the trauma and the abuse that I went through was also in a lineage, a lineage thing. And I was determined that under no circumstances does it go any further. It stops, it stops with me. And with the use of the psychedelics, I was able to achieve that. Um, still a bit rough around the edges, but, and, uh, you know, about a, oh, two months after that episode, uh, we actually arrived down, you know, Ballarat from near Byron to Ballarat, big temperature change. And, and to be down here and to be in the, um, you know, close relationship with all my kids and grandkids without that fear of the past to me is just, for me, is just, there's no question in my mind the power of psychedelics and the life-changing ability that the combination of psychedelics and good, and I mean good therapy, and not everybody can provide therapy for you know, psychedelics. It's a really niche market, requires you know, highly, not, not skills, but understanding. And I think, yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm an advocate, storm is- advocate. That's incredible um, in terms of the even the geographic change and the reconnection. Um, I had in the first few of the interviews, we had talked about, um, including this one of, you know, a thread, a, a thread, a conversation around connection. And mm. we say, actually, interestingly, that reconnection we mm-hmm. just talked about um, and that physical geographic change that you've made like it just seems like and doing that work and the black diarrhea to be Mm -hmm. honest um of an ability to that it's a a continual process yes Um, absolutely I wonder what you think in terms of your modalities Graham you said um you um you know haven't uh utilize the you didn't didn't don't need the psychedelics at the moment um as an example and Annette you talked about some other modalities I wonder if you could share a bit about the modalities that are in addition to so you've talked about the integration and the therapeutic um relationship and that that support Mm -hmm. any breath work we've talked about and, and any kind of somatic um, body work, somatic coaching, anything that's kind of body centered is really helpful because that's where most of the action happens. Mm. Um, when it's particularly when it's early childhood trauma, I think that's because mm. uh, it's it's in a um, it's just so much harder to kind of validate because it's not of you know you can't logically get to those places, and so mm. being able to use the um, the language of the body to kind mm. of build that connection with not only what happened, but rebuilding that co- connection with yourself to be safe and um, happy, mm. you know, and I think part of, um, so yeah, I think it's emotional intelligence, breath work, somatic um, therapy of some kind, but even simple things like exercise um, really make a difference. Really. Graham, you know, meditation meditation and, and, yeah. Yeah. Did you say you like you said um you said you'd like to run uh, you utilize running and um did you say you like mechanic mach- you um, said yeah, mechanics. I've yeah, got he a, likes my, doing doing my, things with his hands yeah yeah, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. my car is a, a 2001 VU Commodore Ute it's not for work on. okay so that keeps me occupied <laughs> um 
I'm a runner. It's my 60, about to start my 62nd consecutive year of running. Um, and I found that the exercise and the running is absolutely crucial. I think it's probably, if I had to say why, how did I survive the trauma? Um, I would put it down to the fact that I run. And yeah. I'm not out of the woodwork physically yet. My blood pressure has gone from 110 over 60 to 200 over 100. Um, and that's the, as I'm taking the lid off it, the anxiety that's coming in from behind of that is, yeah. is body held. I've had ECGs and scans and, you know, all the tests up the gazoo. And I'm currently taking uh, blood pressure medication to see if it brings down. And it doesn't seem to be making much difference, but the running makes a difference. And what I've found is it's the combination of, um, you know, activity, um, my hobbies are bonsai and my, my ute and you know being around family kids um gardening gardening mm -hmm. and you know and, and in my relationship with Annette like you know our relationship's kind of a hobby as well yeah I have to say and I don't get all you know neither of us get away with anything so if no. something's coming mm -hmm. up it's saying oh what's going on here having two people in relationship that have childhood trauma is very there's never a dull moment let's say yeah it's challenging uh, throwing throwing the psychedelics in the miss has led led to some very <laughs> very interesting um sessions I suppose too but I think they're one of the one of the first um probably let's let's do a psychedelic session on our relationship and oh yeah okay so we set up the plan the guide rooms and all that boundaries and all that sort of stuff and as soon as the medicine kicked in both of us went to opposite ends of the house and stayed there for the next day next, next eight hours because <laughs> working on a relationship meant working on what was on actually coming up in ourselves yeah. at that time so yeah that's what so, we incredibly that, powerful well, that is, um, I mean, thank you for sharing that. And you are a delightful couple to. I mean that really sincerely. Mm -hmm. uh, the interesting, what you just brought up, even in that example, where mm -hmm. you went to different um, parts of the house, and I hope I get this articulated right, because it's a new uh, mm -hmm. aspect that someone had, I was, it was someone who was a coach um, had uh, was standing up and talking to an organization. And he says it was, they were talking about connection. Mm -hmm. He said that the person, the coach who has, is a great coach, by the way, um, that can, you know, connection is bullshit. So just, oh, that's just interesting. interesting. There you go. I said, she said, started, I only got a little bit further and um, the, the drilling down a little bit more in that he the lexicon the use of the word connection I think can get bandied around but I thought isn't that interesting we're using connect you know like even the thread of this series but I thought you know well, that's interesting don't push it away in terms of what then we kind of drilled down is that didn't he didn't like that word or you know let's say or thought it was can be a bit bullshit in terms of what you what how you enable or um, work with connection but he 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 did talk about relationship mm -hmm. it's and he liked relationship he liked that word so the interesting thing that I'm just trying to bring in here for a moment is that I wonder so you have a relationship together etc but the relationship with ourselves yeah. is such a it almost is um 
I was going to say more important. I don't don't necessarily mean that. I wonder what you, your thoughts are on this. You know, in order to be a couple or to, you know, you know, even a family member, et cetera, the relationship with ourselves, I, I guess I just wonder, could you both maybe talk about that in terms of that what you just described was just such an interesting thing and didn't doesn't mean that you don't have connection, but the mm. relationship with each other, the foundation of that ultimately, in a way, has to do with our own relationship, I guess, with ourselves and I or absolutely absolutely I would like to answer this one. If, if what are your <laughs> thoughts on this? You've got a hand on yeah. my knee. That's <laughs> oh, be quiet. So my turn. <laughs> I have particularly journeyed with um connection around my journey around my journey because my experience as a child was um for me my um my experience of love was was a very enmeshed kind of place and that I was there for somebody else's you know use mm -hmm. and um and but I that love connection that we had that I believe that I experienced was so profound, like it was even more strong than any of the physical stuff that happened. And so I, in my mind, had this idea that that was the love that I wanted where I disappeared, you know, and no longer existed because that was the profound experience that I had. And to me, that was, you know, beautiful love. And I kind of got a bit led astray with the Tantra stuff too because some of the Neo-Tantra can be a bit like codependence really. Um, and my journey has really been in um, developing a relationship with myself and I found the more I've developed that relationship with myself and unhooked myself from my attachment to that idealised, you know, love where my ego disappears, Um the more I've been able to find connection in relationship with Graham, but I'm so much more resilient because, you know, he can be where he, he is and I can be where I am. And if, you know, we're both be able to connect with each other, that's that's kind of a bonus. But in the meantime, I'm not um, abandoned. I'm not rejected. I'm just, I mean, obviously sometimes it happens, but I just need to remember, oh, I'm feeling this because I'm not connected to myself. And when I come back into connection with myself, it's kind of like, okay I'm I'm here I'm home I'm safe whatever else happens is you know what happens and so to me what you're saying is absolutely profound I think you know we have a saying um that you can only connect with somebody else to the degree with which you're connected with self mm. and to me that's, that's, our, that's, totally our, that's our belief that we work so we specialize in couples therapy and that's our belief is that it starts starts with our connection with ourselves and when the trauma the extreme versions of trauma that each of us have experienced um i think part of the attraction to each other we we're both married before was the fact that we had matching trauma mm, absolutely and our trauma was like our trauma was in relationship with with each other and we were just sort of being dragged along for the ride sort of thing yeah thinking we were doing a good job <laughs> thinking yeah and you know, for me, my perpetrator was a woman. So I have really struggled in relationship with women and trusting women and, you know, you know anything to do with women. Um, my current therapist uh, is a woman, and I chose that specifically and told it straight up at the beginning. And that really worked. And what I've, been, what I've had to learn was that it's my trust that corrupts 
previous relationships and destroys and is incredibly destructive. And I can't do that with anybody else unless I'm actually doing that with myself. And, you know, I really do believe in what you, the, the question you asked, that connection in our relationship starts with connection with ourselves. And because of our abusive backgrounds, we've really had to look at this and own, own this every single step of the way. Can't let up for a moment that, um, you know, oh, yeah, no, it's all right. We'll go over the top of it. It doesn't work. It's 100% from ownership of our stuff, dealing with our stuff. And that's the support that psychedelics have brought into me in my relationship with with Annette is that I can't um, I can't bullshit myself and pretend and go over the top of it because, you know, I don't, well, you know, for Annette it stands out. But for me, it's I can see it. I can feel it. I don't like that. I've got to change this. It's like the continuum of change, you know, from psychotherapy that – um owning that yeah this is my this is me this is mine and the more i sit with this own with this the clearer i am the more that that impacts in a positive and healthy way my relationship with annette and if and also everybody else in, around me as well i also think it's important um that idea of connection in regards to the psychedelics because um I had one of, I had a lot of fear around using ecstasy. Um, I did it a couple of times in a kind of spiritual way. And my fear was if this is going to give me an experience of love and and ecstasy, oh my God, I have, you know, an addict had an addictive personality. I was bulimic for 30 years of my life trying to vomit my trauma. And um, I thought if I experienced that, I was going to, you know, just be hooked for life. But when I when I um, did experience it therapeutically, it connected me with myself. It didn't connect me to some greater thing out there. I had experiences of that, you know, that being in the great oneness when you feel like you're a part of everything. But doing the medicine therapeutically meant that I could actually ground that experience in me and so I could go into that space and connect with everything, but I could also come home and be with myself and be in my life, you know. And I've seen people who kind of get a bit lost in they want to be there, you know, and not actually able to come back. Um, so I think that, it's, you know, being able to have a context for those bigger experiences is really important. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I also wanted to say um, around the psychedelics is I think it's quite um, unique to each individual person of their background and what they actually want out of their lives because our background we've had a really intense you know you've probably got that by now a really intense kind of <laughs> really life and and we that. really we really have a this passion for thriving and for really like living life fully and whereas and so that's why we've you know our psychedelic use was quite you know, we did quite a bit of it for about three years and four years. Four years um, and, but for some people, they might not need that depth of aliveness. They might, you know, have a few sessions and that might be enough for them to be functional in their lives. So I think it's important to really look at the whole person, not just at the medicine, mm. you know, what is it that you want from your life? And, um, and everybody else, everybody, is individual, unique, and has their own context mm. for doing psychedelics. And, you know, there, there are people out there that would respond more favourably um, with, say, breathwork session. And mm. 
you know, trauma is trauma and somebody's trauma may not impact somebody else. And it's supporting them to identify where each individual is for me in, in my trauma. And I never realized how extreme mine was until I actually started to get into it. And it just kept going and going and going. And um, it was actually quite scary because a lot of times there where I just felt like giving up, this is endless. I'm not getting anywhere. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like the sun came out behind the clouds and it's um, it's really hard to to sort of explain all of that too. But the gift of MDMA is that it is safe, that it does um, work in a way that if there's trauma involved, that it's actually a body held experience to the extent that they can integrate. It's really safe um, in dealing with body held trauma, like breathwork session. But breathwork session will only go so far. It won't go as far as what MDMA does. And understanding, you know, for me, the difference um, between those modalities was quite an, quite an eye-opener. Eye and it took me three or four sessions of MDMA before I actually started to trust um, and to actually understand and then really step into working with it. And that, to me, was a real aha moment that understanding how the MDMA works and how it um, can support my own journey of discovery and healing, I suppose, of my past. And for me, just one more thing, and I'll let you get a word in. <laughs> um, for me, I was just connect, connecting with, there's that word again. Um, I believe my use of psychedelics has really allowed me to connect with the beauty of life and like a really deep appreciation of nature and being in the moment and of magic and of people of humanity and all it's you know kind of crazy forms there's something about that medicine experience that just kind of opens up that part and that's been a side benefit from for which I'm really grateful mm. um, as well so mm. I wonder um and two other things I wanted to and then I'll also give it to you go back to you because you might want to share something that I asked um so there are two things one is about you can choose which one you want first one is about the kind of broader system service system um in terms of you could maybe wrap this with kind of your um you know the impact um in the service system and um I guess what you'd see as your hopes for how um, psychedelics assisted therapy and or the broader kind of mental health statistics, you know, reducing in terms of uh, severity, et cetera. Um, and in particular, obviously suicide. And, you know, it's, um, I was saying to you before, one of the reasons for me um, interested in the, in the psychedelic space is not because I've done it. I haven't um, myself personally, but the last conversation with my sister um, was about her possibly, she lives in America. So possibly going to Oregon to have, you know, an experience. And at the time um, she was very, uh, she's quite conservative in some ways, but she wanted anything that would kind of help and save her. But, uh, or that she wanted to save her, but that um, she didn't feel the evidence where she was at. She looked at it, oh, well, you know, there's, you know, six to eight weeks of um, 
you know, reprieve, but then it comes back at the mm-hmm. time. What she was looking at, which was a phase three trial, you know, example. And it didn't, she didn't feel she could, um, that wasn't an option for her. She was, um, you know, she was obviously very sick at the time and she had had, you know, she was on 12 different medications. Um, even that, you know, if that saved you, that would be great. Oh, sorry. Sorry. If you, it, um, was part of your healing process, it would be great, but none of which it did help. And she ended up ending her life. Um, so that service system, um, is one part, but the other, which is ties in with what I've just said is, what about the people who even listening to this, or I guess I can't help but think about from my sister's point of view, don't feel connected to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she has two kids, two beautiful kids, beautiful family, beautiful. You know, she worked up until a few days before, but felt, you know, there was none of this reconnection. Um, there was not, she, she got to a point she didn't. And I think you take that um, when you're so desperate, you know, and you have no hope. So I wonder if, you could maybe comment each of you on um, possibly you can tie it in with the service system, but I guess for those people who are listening that are, you know, obviously we have lifeline. I don't mean in that literal um, sense of what you would do, um, but I guess from you both experiencing feeling very so disconnected, mm-hmm. how does one go from you've kind of sh- articulated your story but it's you know when you feel nothing you feel no relationship with yourself yeah where do you go I mean I Mm. guess you'd say take the you know look into psychedelic assisted therapy which of course I was trying to for her but yeah I just you know there isn't one path I imagine one path one answer um so I I guess it's maybe just a reflection maybe you could communicate on Mm, that's a it's a big question um and you know definitely i can say that psychedelics are the answer but also importantly what's the question and the question is there's so many different parts of that question and one of them is is how do you reach out to people that are caught up in situations like that medicated to the eyeballs by the system Mm -hmm. and it's obviously not working and you know, we've got friends in our network that have gone back to their therapist, psychiatrist or whatever, GP, and all they've done is increase the medication, yeah. um, which is already not working. And, you know, reaching out to people like that, I think what mind medicine are doing, I think is absolutely crucial in letting the broader community know that there is an alternative to being doped to the eyeballs, the quality of life, they say, oh, you know, it's taken the stress down, everything like that, which might do for the short term. But, um, you know, a lot of those medications are only short term um, to give the person space to get their life in order, to learn, to learn, to discover and experience that there are ways around this and that medication is there to give them the time to do that. Um, and I think the answer to your question is that you've already, my medicine's already achieved a lot by getting um, MDMA and psilocybin across the line um, to make it legal, even though it's very specific in how it's legal, at least it's out there. And I think just keep doing what you're doing and getting the word out there. Um, there, It's becoming more and more understood, but there's still a lot of people out there that would really benefit 
from psychedelics that aren't aware of it. And they're, they're, they're closing down, they're um, withdrawing into themselves and not looking out there. And I think the uh, maybe a campaign to target, you know, the, the GPs, the medical system, psychologists, psychiatrists, psychotherapists, chemists, um, about all of these advantages of doing this and ask the question is what you're currently doing, is it working? And give the statistics that the mind medicine give in their in their their shows that you know only five percent of people with complex PTSD and really hardcore depression find remission. Yet with psychedelics, the the figure jumps up to 60, 70, 80 percent. So you know, are you aware of this? Find yes. out more. Give them the links. I think um, what you guys are doing in mind medicine, like with this series of podcasts, um, you know, promote it. I mean, we'll certainly have links to this on our website if we can get the links. Um, you know, the more people can see, read, feel, hear, um, and understand that there is an alternative. It's not for everybody, but there is an alternative for those that are, you know, feel like they've got their backs to the wall and where they look is just dark and it's gloomy, it's toxic, it's 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 not nice. And something like this is, oh, okay, let's have a look at that. Let's try that. So does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It's, um, yeah, no, I really appreciate the candidness uh, and the fact that, again, it's not, um, you know, a magic pill for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, Annette, I don't know if you have anything to uh, add. I, I I just wanted to acknowledge, um, I feel your sadness, you know, around your sister's experience uh, in you just, mm. and I th I think everything that is happening now is really good that mind medicine and other places are doing, but it's a slow process. And, but I think even just as a society, you know, we've got to create that societal change, even by making it okay for people to feel you know, to to really not be labelling that as and trying to kind of push it away and normalising people um, healing from trauma, normalising people mm -hmm. uh, feeling, normalising people having um, things that are difficult to deal with and showing that there's a whole range of, of um, ways that people can work with them, uh, yes. work with these, you know, like I know therapy is more normalised, but a lot of it's been so head-based, you know, where it's starting to kind of fall apart and there's more quote and body-based therapies are becoming more well-known well, and, and, and even, you know, making that more uh, more accessible, less scary, um, having a conversation with your neighbour, like how are you going and being okay to hear if they're not going that well and and, and having conversations around, um, you know, the use of psychedelics and, and um, normalising it, making it more, the conversation more broad so that people who are further away can feel like it's more normalised so it mm. becomes a more possible option because you know, for some people, it is just too far. You know, it's just and, and it, and that's just incredibly sad. Um, but if if in the bigger picture we can start to kind of make all of this more normal, more accessible, and and just 
connecting more with our own hearts so that we can have the empathy to kind of support people in this way and to make that more this is my this is what I would love to see when when people are feeling more and more connected with them with themselves and their hearts and that they can you know be willing to have conversations to make it give people who are struggling a space to kind of be so that they can start to feel themselves and to start to feel their disconnection and then have the information out there available that they can then start to say oh this is going on for me but it does, it's not hopeless mm -hmm. maybe there's something that i can do you know so i that's what i would really love to see mm. and if you know things like this podcast can help that get out there mm. um, that's wonderful mm. so i think mm. the war on drugs and all the mm. information that's been put out there about the war on drugs um has really had an impact on um you know like psychedelics oh that's illegal isn't it and i know for myself and that's like, bad you that's know it's bad. gonna send you insane all mm. of that not to say that there aren't risks um, but yeah, nothing like what is perceived. Because I know where I was before I started the, the course in psychedelics was that um, I was really down. I'd given up, and Annette had started. She'd done three, three, four sessions or something like that already in, over a period of six months, and I could see that there was actually working. But for me, oh no, I don't because I've never tried drugs up at that point. I don't very, very rarely do I drink, and I don't smoke. And so for me to sort of cross that line to go and do something like that, you know, like to me, that's a measure of how far down I'd become and how desperate I was. And the fact that Annette had already tried that and said, this stuff really works. And um, we had another close friend who'd also started, she introduced it to, to Annette who introduced it to me. And, um, you know, my process to get into it was quite challenging for me. Um, and for me to sort of be sitting here now and to be publicly speaking about it is quite a is quite a journey. And I think that um, you know when people are impacted by the war on drugs, the mm -hmm. first thing is, well, hang on, that's that's wrong. It's illegal. And you know, there's a lot of um, misinformation. Yeah, mm -hmm. misinformation out there that we've that you know psychedelics and mind, and mind medicine are breaking it down you, you definitely are making inroads in that so many studies done like years in the 60s and 70s like this mm. you know there is so much of such a big body of work that's already out there so i mean mm. i guess i've got to have it from today's context but yeah it's a fascinating subject mm. <laughs> it is and i mean it, what you just said about the journey graham and both of you and you know together in and even individually, um, and you know myself as well. In terms of um, life journey, you know, is that I guess, and this is why I started this, which is that wanting to kind of feel uh, deeply listened to and connected. And I think we don't do that in. Exactly. We don't do that. I mean, I you know kind of really like to go to the bottom of the ocean and deep dive in terms of you know philosophy and all that kind of stuff but I know that that's not even my own family I've got three sons and but I feel like it is these um I think that aspect and you know my sister didn't have that at the end but that aspect of I guess to be deeply listened to and to deeply listen to our own self. Um, and that is, I think that, I mean, she did a lot of work and like a lot of people, I mean, my sister is one example of what is when you go on the mind medicine, Australia, you know, webpage, 
effects to reduce suicide, you know, um, et cetera. So it's a, you know, it's a, um, I think it's eight, I don't know, at least in Australia, eight people a day or, or the statistics um, horrendous, similar to that. And, you know, that's only at that pointy end where we, you know, yeah. they're having that. Um, so I guess the hope um, and for the system, you know, there is all that kind of systemic stuff. But at the end of the day of, you know, to be able to deeply listen to oneself is really freaking hard. You know, it's not an easy path. Mm. Um, and both of you, through no fault of your own, um, you know, had yeah in terms of the not just the trauma but the, your life journey of so much suffering and i yeah. think ocean suffering mm-hmm. um, i guess the other thing is we can you know you have had a notion of suffering and yet look at you astute you know articulating very um a, you know from the heart space but also intellect mm-hmm. and you know advocacy and i guess it's really taking my hat off to both of you for, I'm really glad you did want to come on together. Um, I guess in more in the closing, um, I would, I wonder, um, you know, when asking questions as said from the beginning, there isn't this um, specific um, script on any level, Um, but I wonder from your end, is there anything that even whether somatically for you um, is that an issue, a topic, something that you feel hasn't been kind of, you know, communicated in this. And maybe it's just that we say we have, a, um, you know, till the next time, till the next conversation. Um, but I just wonder if anything's kind of like, oh, I haven't articulated this or there's something around um, any thing we've talked about or that we haven't related to healing journey, well-being and just sustaining um, life. I guess what I would like to say is um, I, there is such value in getting in touch with with our bodies and you know um because for me trying to look into myself was kind of like a really scary journey yet when I looked into my body and what I was feeling and got that connection with that intelligence it became a lot less scary because I had something to actually relate to and so I, you know, I believe as therapy becomes more embodied um, and gets out of the mind totally and starts to combine the mind and the body, I think that's really in the bigger picture. That's um, a very exciting place that we're at in the moment. And um, and also um, just acceptance of whatever the body is trying to tell us as as something important and relevant and to really trust what our body is saying. Um, that's just incredibly powerful in the depths of of my journey. You know, I was suicidal for a while, but when I made that okay in my own head, it, it kind of lost its power, you know. And so it's like I was saying about normalizing what, what we go through. So not just having um, looking at ourselves from the head, but actually making that this that connection. When we make that connection with our bodies, a whole new world opens up. And if you can get support um, to to have that journey, uh, it's just incredibly worthwhile. And I think, mm. you know, the more people that could do that, I think I really believe the world could change 
you know, because um, the mind is so powerful, can lead us down some pretty amazing crap holes. So, but the body has just got so much more wisdom, and and you know, the, not only the body, but the body mind connection. It's not only just the body, but the body mind connection um, can really make a big difference. So. If you're wondering about, if you're out there and you're not sure if psychedelics is quite for you, you know, just seek out some body kind of therapies and start there. And um, yeah, and that can be a good grounding for trying psychedelics as well when you feel like you can trust that. And then from there, it feels like it's an easier space to trust the medicine yes. um, because when you can really trust that medicine, I think that's when it really does its best work. Mm. Mm. Not sure if I exactly answered your question. Absolutely. Um, Graham, any you? Um, I think we've covered it pretty we've well. We've covered fairly. For now. Yeah. yeah. For now. I mean, it's, it's a pretty psychedelic journey. Is Yeah. <laughs> for me, that like this is so much, and we've just sort of skated over mm. the top of it. And you know, I think if I had to say anything, you know, I think some some of the 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 more humorous moments. Uh, Absolutely. Oh my gosh. If you want to hear your trauma with um, laughter, definitely. Uh, yeah, like it's, it is hard work. Um, it is. And it's focused work. And you've got to choose to go into it, remembering that, you know, the psychedelics themselves are only a third, I believe, about a third of the process. Mm. And you've got to choose. And I chose um, and in that choice, too, I think some of the funniest moments for me was just seeing the ridiculousness of my own bullshit, yeah. that how much of that that I actually believed and how much of my life it controlled. Yeah. And sort of looking back and think, what? Oh, my God, you know, and sort of just sort of seeing real time how much I'd um crippled myself mm. you know emotionally and um probably spiritually it was just such a because this is a really spiritual journey um incredibly spiritual it's probably one of it's probably the only modality that i've ever come across that actually goes into actually penetrated my spiritual realm um and in a way that's internal, not relying on something external. It's not separating from, but actually sort of like coming yeah. to my own, you know, my own um, mm -hmm. connection. So it's, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I'm satisfied with what we've covered. I think we've given it a pretty good, pretty good mm -hmm. shake. <laughs> well, um, I just, um, yeah, such deep thanks to, um, you know, to actually look fear kind of straight on as well. I think, you know, we didn't specifically communicate that about that word, but just the strength um, that you have, um, the strength that you have internally, clearly with your, your the journey of your own relationship in, of, internally, as well as with one another. And um, that I think it's a beautiful place to kind of pause our conversation anyway around also that use of humor the ridiculousness of and yet the very serious work that it is and um, you know mm -hmm. using the word cripple um you know that you know holds us back so much and that and from a humanitarian you know from a hu human point of view um i think anyone um would benefit from listening to the both of you um let alone working with you so 
Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Lovely to meet you, Deborah. Yeah. And good luck with the rest of your podcasts. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mind Medicine Australia podcast. As a listener, you are very important to us. If inclined, we would love for you to follow the show, which just means wherever you listen to your podcasts, press the button follow, and that way you will be updated with each and every published episode. Lastly, if inclined, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review. That way it's letting us know that we are meeting the needs of everyone who is listening. Thank you very much.